There are many benefits to ADHD, too many to list. It becomes a disadvantage when you're expected to conform to a structure that doesn't make sense to you. That's a quote from Peter Carlyle in attitudemagazine.com. I'm Raleigh. And I'm Danielle. And this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. Got the jams going. Today. I just want to clarify that was attitudemag.com. Yeah, way to screw that one up. Well, it, with ADD capitalized, do you see the point there? Yeah, it's a great. It's actually there? a great resource. It is for people with ADD, ADHD. Are you quoting from there today? Yeah, I am actually. Excellent. Do you want me to just get start off that, or should we talk about no, our let's beautiful start off with our, scenery? So we'd like to share with you that we are on location. Oh, before we do that, we have a shout out, don't we? We have a shout out today to our second. Oh, our second, our second biggest fan, Terry. Thanks, Terry, Thank for you, listening. Terry. Thank you for supporting us. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. you. That's our big shout out today. Yep. Um, we are coming to you from Vermont on location at the Honeycomb Hideout. Honeycombhideout.com. Honeycomb oh, honeycombhideoutvt.com. Someone's talking to you, Raleigh. <laughs> yeah, so we also have some guests here on location. Uh, they happen to be my younger brothers who are twins. Um, to talk about ADHD with us today. But yes, we are coming to you from Honeycomb Hideout in Vermont. And if you would like to check out the Honeycomb Hideout, you can look it up on honeycombhideoutvt.nothing. On on social media. So it only has Instagram. Mm. So we have an Instagram account. And it's at honeycombhideoutvt. Okay. Wonderful. Maybe you should have a TikTok too. We may end up having a TikTok. I mean, we've been saying that, too, for a long time. Yeah, I mean, we have one, technically. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're situated in Cavendish, right near o- Mount Okemo, Okemo Mountain. Yeah. Beautiful this time of year for some leaf peeping. Mm-hmm. Wonderful in the winter for skiing, snowboarding, snowmobiling, snowshoeing. It's really a year-round place. It is. It's year-round. It's nice year-round in the summer. Place. Sprawling backyard. Beautiful Wonderful. aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, so we bring, we bring the, the siblings on today because... <laughs> They, as children, uh, definitely showed some symptoms. Now that now that I work with kids with ADHD, I know for sure where I got my passion for this. Um, they definitely showed symptoms of this as children, but were never diagnosed, um, and seemed to be always on the cusp of getting services. But because they weren't kids who this is also back in the eighties and nineties, uh, because they weren't kids who acted out and really drew attention to themselves with behaviors plus a different era of time, uh, they didn't necessarily get the resources that they probably could have benefited from. Um, do either of you want to share an experience or talk about what what maybe wasn't happening for you back then that you look back and think could have been different? Sure. So I'm Nathaniel Batone. <laughs> and I'm Andrew Batone. Nice to meet you. Why Thank you, you so ladies. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for having us on. Of course. Um, I think it all stems back when we were little in elementary school that you know we were definitely hyperactive at home but also in school kind of bored a lot didn't really understand the material given to us and definitely i think andy can attest to this that that hands-on learning was always like key for us and i think in the future that definitely panned out to our advantage but just sitting there and doing book work was incredibly tiresome boring and just made us not want to interact so we were definitely on like as Raleigh was saying before, definitely on the verge of services of some sort. But I think at that point, back in the early or early 80s, there was no services. And I think, unfortunately, my brother and I didn't really qualify for services or didn't 
you know, we, there was always that special education cusp and we were always above the line of that. Mm -hmm. So well, the special education was always like severe mm -hmm. where it wasn't just like, oh, you can't focus or you can't control your, you know, you need to get up and run around or stuff like that. It was somebody that was unfortunately in a wheelchair or something of that nature. Right. It wasn't geared to that. Well, Danielle and I talk a lot about accommodations and the need for that in classrooms. And I think that was something drastically lacking back then that even if you were given some type of alternative seating to move around in or you were given breaks to walk around and move around or just a different way, like you're talking about the hands-on, we call it multimodal learning, but giving you more ways to express yourself and understanding that you may just not conform to how the curriculum was designed and i think definitely back in those days it was you have to fit into their programming they weren't fitting their programming to you and that is something that's definitely changed over time well and as we get to know disabilities in general i think a lot of different diagnoses obviously benefit from that multimodal piece but also i think anxiety often looks like adhd mm -hmm. um trauma often looks like adhd so a lot of these even though we're specifically talking about that today fit into that category of how to support kids in general and that universal design for learning oh that's right okay. udl baby throwing it right out there um while i'm talking okay so statistically the rates of kids with ADHD has increased over the past, I don't know, 20 years. Um, it was 7.8% of kids um, diagnosed in 2003. 2011, it jumped to 11%. Um, and today, it's about 31.7% wow. of kids um, are diagnosed with ADHD. Now, what I'm seeing mm -hmm. a lot is our a lot of our kids are misdiagnosed because they have some of the symptomology of an ADHD right. profile. I mean, it's almost like that's the entrance ticket to some specialized learning. Well, specialized. In, in Massachusetts, uh, yeah, Massachusetts, I don't know if it's nationwide, I can look that up, but in Massachusetts, if you have an ADHD diagnosis, you ought, now, this is how different it was from when you guys were younger, it's an automatic 504 plan. So you automatically get a service plan mm -hmm. with that diagnosis. Well, I think the tricky thing for them is they were never diagnosed. Right. So this is, you know, not not to underrepresent the need for a diagnosis, but I think my experience has told me that these two gentlemen have ADHD. <laughs> um, and I think, like I said, it's it's interesting working with my students and seeing some of the ways that they manif that the that it manifests for them and how that was for my brothers of just always moving. Some part of them is always moving. They're making noises while they're doing homework. They're moving around, they're talking, they're singing, they're humming. It's just so hard for their brain to be on the task that you're asking them to be. The more that we give outlets for that movement and that expression, the more we see that, that children are flourishing. Um, assuming that that is your solo diagnosis, I think if you have comorbidities, that's another story. But, you know, when I first became an OT, that was one of the prevalent diagnoses I worked with. That was sort of like becoming, you know, as you're re referencing um, how it's gone up in percentage, that was something that I, I feel most of my students were diagnosed with that. So, and they weren't getting um, as n enough of interventions. And again, it's not about pull out services. It's more about addressing different, you know, we're talking about neurodiversity a lot and addressing different brains and how they can function best in a school setting and i think that's still something we're way behind on across the board and making sure they have access to things that are going to be helpful 
Did you have to take standardized tests, like SATs yes. or anything? How yeah. did that go? Not well. Not great testing. Not well at all. Uh, yeah, pretty much just told us that we're not good at, you know, standardized testing or testing in general. And I think when it came to that point, we were like thinking of college and careers and things of that nature. Like I forget what the test was called, but it was like things that could kind of draw you in a direction of what career path mm -hmm. you should take. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, I like that. Well, I like that. Well, I like that. So it told me that I could be a farmer or a, a, in culinary or yeah. something, but it always seems to lay with like hands-on, yes. like hands-on, hands-on, yeah. hands-on. And where Annie and I grew up, um, we did have a technical high school, a town over from us, but I think that if we lived in that town that had the technical high school, that definitely would have been an option, mm -hmm. an option where we would definitely have flourished and kind of, you know, gone in that direction of more of um, hands-on learning and more of a technical career after high school. Um, but obviously with the SATs, it was just like, oh my God, these were awful and what kind of a direction am I heading into or anything like that so it was it was hard because everything was the academic track correct it was so pushed that way that it was hard to well, see that the there were 90s, it was either yeah. you're going to college or you're you're getting a job you're, you're going to do something very blue collar which is fine but it was like oh if you did that blue collar path it was almost like eh, you're kind of a loser you know it's like oh why can't you go to college but i didn't realize that i was good at anything until in, in school until it was like a hands-on class because mm -hmm. we didn't have an automotive department. Um, it was very limited resources as far as hands-on. We had like this um, woodworking class and they had you like build a, a, a small scale bridge out of balsa wood. And I spent hours on that thing, extremely focused on it, doing it and making it better, making it better. And that was like the first class I ever got an A in. And it was like, oh, wow, I can actually do something in school that is really, really good, except for like science and math and English, where it's like you're so focused on the reading, the mm -hmm. reading, the reading. And my brain just doesn't work like that. I can't sit down and read something. It just doesn't work. Well, now there's so much focus on standardized test scores and districts and, and communities making sure kids are passing those assessments is that that becomes the priority. I think for both of you, it's, you know, luckily you were able to find your path. I think what we find with a lot of our students with ADHD, in, you know, in particular, are feeling that self-esteem hit because they're not fitting in with everybody necessarily or their brain is, you know, they're getting called out for making too much noise or being unfocused. And in reality, it's not about not wanting to do the work. It's just not being able to do it the way other people can. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to note that as adults, the two of you not only have hands-on careers, but you also have multiple other projects and things that you're always getting into. And so that creativity outlet's so important um, to be able to diversify how you're, you know, you, ne you both never sit still, but you have a lot that you're interested in and that you're successful doing. And I think it's important to highlight the, that, you know, your brains work differently, but it doesn't make you less capable of you know, doing things successfully, obviously. Well, unfortunately, that stigma is still there. Mm -hmm. So in 2022, so we're talking, what, 20-something years later, even though we know more about the diagnosis, we know more about what what though that profile or that neurodiverse brain is really good at, people are still stigmatizing it. You know, I see constantly, what college are you going to? You know, having the opportunity to work in a high school, it's like thinking about college, thinking about our standardized testing. It's always like the hyper focus. And I'm like, well, what about these? Why aren't we pro doing some project-based learning? How can we help support the kids that aren't good at 
test taking and so it's it's hard it's a hard hump that I think we're dealing with from the education side that 25 years later we know so much more and yet here we are <laughs> yeah states requiring tests and things like that well even with detective high schools like they're even with budget cuts and stuff because they're run by the state um, there's a lot of those things that are closing up too or like I'm a cosmetologist by trade and they're actually talking about getting rid of the cosmetology program at technical high schools so it's interesting that they want to start taking away those technical things that people thrive in um, that's kind of a disservice mm -hmm. to education and learning what about the medicine piece medication piece has that ever been something I'm you glad we never went that route yeah because it seems like Ritalin is like you know years later is just awful for you and all these it just we, we knew people that took Ritalin when we were in high school and it just made them like a zombie so it's instead of, like they were always tired they they couldn't focus they couldn't do their work because they were exhausted um it just took away you know just like their excitement for anything or their um, personality yeah and that would like i have people in my adult life say to me you should be on medication you should be on this you should be on that and there are moments where i am just like off the walls and it's something that i can't control um, I try and control it. I don't know. Like sometimes I don't even know that I'm being like ridiculously annoying. Um, <laughs> and you have plenty of people who will point that out. Yeah, to me. yeah. I have definitely have a lot of people who will point that out to me. And people will say, "You should be on medication. Why aren't you on medication?" And I do think to myself, "Well, what would I be like if I was on medication?" And part of I think the uniqueness of ADHD is that like your mind is always going and you get super creative and obviously in my my field of work creativity is key so the last thing I want to do is take something that's going to stifle my creativity because I'm like I feel like I'm thriving with ADHD so why would I take something that could diminish that or take that away um, and obviously and I think Andy can attest to this too that being undiagnosed diagnosed with ADHD for 44 years like well, I think we've definitely kind of learned to, I don't know if adapt. coping is, like adapting yeah. is a better word, adapting with that so that we can thrive as you know human beings with that kind of situation. I think you get to a point where you get to like, you get to harness that special power, I wanna yeah. call it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a special power. Because it's, you know, all these years growing up, it's like, you're not good at this, you can't focus, you can't, you know, pass this test even though you tried really, really hard. It's like, I just can't focus. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, I'm stumbled upon something I'm really, really, really good at. And it's like, oh, now you're getting all this praise and that's a great feeling. So it's like you kind of are able to, you know, yeah, you can't focus on one thing, but you can focus on 10 different things all at once, you know? Well, and we know, Danielle, from our experiences working with kids that, you know, may not just have ADHD and other things going on. I think the medication conversation is complicated, and I think it's definitely individualized for specific, you know, cases, case-by-case -case basis. I think there are plenty of children who benefit from having some type of medication regimen to keep them from, you know, being too impulsive or helping them focus a little bit more. I think we run the risk of self-esteem and anxiety issues when kids are not helped in some way to manage that. I'm not saying that for every person medication's right or for every person it's wrong. Um, it's definitely something that needs like a, a comprehensive approach and look into the, the pros and cons of that for each, each kid, each adult. But 
Um, we've definitely seen it successfully work for, for some students and others it doesn't. Um, we were also, when you were talking about uh, medication, we were thinking about caffeine. Mm. Have you felt like that a natural stimulant or other things that might help naturally, homeopathically um, support your calm, calming your brain? Well, I think with the caffeine, like, and this is going back to when I was in high school, like I would look forward to having a cup of coffee mm -hmm. and I don't know why or what's yeah. a part of it. Like everyone says that sometimes caffeine is a stimulant that will kind of calm you down. And it def definitely like, like brings me down, but I don't think it does anything like to calm me down. Mm -hmm. Like it's more of like, you know, just a calming effect that it has over me. Um, I think Andy might have a different experience. I when do. It yeah. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, when my brain is racing and like I just can't, it, it, it starts to race and then it gets to be very, I get anxious because it's like I'm not doing enough or I'm not paying enough uh, attention to the ninth thing that I need to get yeah. done and I'm worried about the first one. And I could have a cup of coffee, black, strong, and like it's it helps me settle down and focus mm -hmm. which is interesting because yeah. like a lot of people get jittery and it does not have that effect it's just like calm you down focus don't worry about the ninth thing get the first thing done the second thing okay mm -hmm. you're good yeah <laughs> caffeine has the reverse effect for me I think too with stimulants like that you also immediately know whether yes. or not it's actually ADHD yeah. because kids with anxiety if you give them coffee or any sort of stimulant it actually does exactly. the opposite. It makes it it makes them so much more um, hyper vigilant and like whoa, like yeah. <laughs> like a so, whirlwind, a whirlwind. So yeah, I mean, I think the topic of medication is so sensitive, and people have to be ready to have it. Mm -hmm. One of the things we always used to say is that it um, opens the door for, mm -hmm. and I think the same for speaking of like caffeine or a natural yes. natural stimulant. It sort of opens the the window for you just a little bit to, to let intervene. some of that. Yeah. In, intervention in absolutely <clears throat> because that's i think what's really important about that is it doesn't mean i'm on medication at age seven i'm on it till death it just means this may give me an opportunity like you said keep that window of intervention time open to figure out what's going to work for that child to give them some agency over things to build their confidence to build their skills and maybe then they don't need to be on it and you guys are saying too i think you know you could make the argument as children had you been diagnosed maybe that would have been helpful at that time but as adults you see yeah. it differently and maybe it would be a hindrance to some of your productivity to be on it mm. i agree yeah I think one of the benefits of a stimulant, too, not that it, like now we're getting on like a med talk, but like yeah. <laughs> one of the, I think, stimulants. Shout out Michelle Malnati. <laughs> stimulants and anxiety type medications are, um, you can get on them and get off them. You don't have to build a tolerance to them. It doesn't take four to six weeks right. to come on, to get on them and then come off of them. You it's really like, it's really, you take to throw like Ritalin, you take Ritalin for a day, you know that day whether or not it's helping you. Um, and I think, you know, that's something that's helpful for families to hear uh, when you're talking to families about medication with your students. Um, it's really helpful to know that a lot of those anxiety meds are really blood pressure medications. So again, you know pretty immediately whether or not they work mm -hmm. um, and it helps reduce some of that symptomology of anxiety. Um, so it's, I don't know, whatever. So <laughs> that's it. That's all I had to say about that. You sounded so smart. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so we were talking about you both working with your hands. Do you want to plug what you do? 
So, this is Andrew. Um, <laughs> I'm an automotive tech by trade. Uh, just started, so I've done that since I was probably 19, 20. Uh, worked in dealerships for a good 10, 11 years, and now I work for a company managing their fleet of vehicles. Uh, just recently got into uh, real estate and house flipping, Airbnb and stuff like that. That's why we're at the Honeycomb Hideout today. Do you want to say what we're at talking? Honeycomb at, Hideout VT? At Honeycomb Hideout VT for all your ski and getaway needs. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, being being with the ADD, like I said, you can focus on, you can put a lot of focus into different things simultaneously. So it, it, that's where it's like where I said before, where you can harness that and use it to your advantage, you know, so. And how about you? And I think, obviously, growing up very creative, always liked the creative aspect of things, kind of get that from my mama, Johnny <laughs> B. Um, so always knew that I would be creative and just trying to find out what my passion in life was going to be. I ended up in cosmetology by accident. I think that's a different podcast altogether, but <laughs> in cosmetology by accident. And then kind of wanted to be a salon owner at some point and um, opened up Salon Nathaniel and Meriden in Wallingford. Wallingford is three years old and Salon Nathaniel is almost 15 years where, old. Where can they find you online? Um, at Salon Nathaniel with one N on Instagram and then Salon Nathaniel on Facebook for all your hair care needs. Mm -hmm. um, Voted uh, best salon oh. in Central CT okay. by the oh. Record Journal. Humble brag. Yes, <laughs> okay. and I think top nine. I don't know why oh. ten, oh. but we'll go with nine uh, best salons in all of Connecticut. Wow. Okay. Uh, by Best of Connecticut. Um, but yeah, so definitely, you know, as Andy was saying, like hands-on learning. Always knew that I was probably going to use something with my hands. Started out with the passion in culinary, love to cook. Um, find out very quickly that I love to do it for friends and family, but not necessarily as a career. We're very lucky. Um, and yes. I think with something, and I think Andy can also agree with this too, that when you are a hands-on learner and you are going to be doing it as a career, not just as a job, you definitely have to have a passion and a love for it. Um, and fell into that with cosmetology. Um, and I think ADHD in a way um, has helped me create and foster that. Um, I have a salon company of over 20 employees. So as Andy was sharing before, having nine things on your plate and then adding a 10th one and then focusing on the first one, in a way, like we've talked about superpowers, I think that is one of my superpowers is that I can focus on all nine of those things um, and kind of get all of nine of those things like done and complete within you know a certain time period um, and just multitasking to the 10th degree, so. Yeah. I have a couple questions. One would be, answer them however you would like. One is, is there anything or several things that you feel need a little more improvement or the things you struggle with because of ADHD? And do you have advice for kids who are experiencing this and feeling maybe not like they don't quite measure up? Um, it's such a different world now. Um, I think there are so many, I think obviously there's room for improvement, but I think there's so many avenues that parents can take to find their child services mm -hmm. within the school systems. I think the school systems, certain school systems, um, I think are open to that. I know that there are so many different programs. I actually have an employee right now who has two autistic and AD, severe ADHD children where she qualifies for so many different services. 
um, so many different tests to kind of qualify for those services. So I see that things are improving greatly from when Andy and I grew up. Obviously, we did talk about like the, the medication aspect, um, and I think that has improved greatly where it's like, oh, you have a hyperactive kid? Okay, let's just give them X, Y, well, and Z. Well, and there's so many different medications. Not everything is a stimulant, so mm -hmm. it's what's going to be best for Benefit for, student, for them know, as well. Sure. So I definitely see that things are greatly improving. I definitely think that I wish there was more hands-on learning or opportunity for hands-on learning rather than just, you know, teach to the test. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's so many, and obviously teachers are under such constraints too of what to teach, how to teach, you know, yeah, the pressure's high. all of those pressures as well. But I wish there were definitely more avenues of education rather than teach to the test. Mm -hmm. You? Well, and then, like we had great parents that let us kind of explore ourselves and how we were gonna do this whole learning process. Um, you know, there's so many people that are just like, well, especially teachers, and I get it, they have 20 other kids that need, they need to focus on as well. So the one that's being super disruptive and super annoying sometimes <laughs> gets left behind and it's not because he's a bad kid, it's just because he just can't focus on the task at hand, mm -hmm. so. Or she, or, or she. she, or she, yeah. he well, or she. We didn't even touch upon how different ADHD looks for, for girls. girls and for and women. women. Mm -hmm. um, that's like a, I feel like that's a podcast in and of itself because it's so much harder to figure out. And that's such a surprising thing too, because I always thought like most of, most of this, the students growing up with Andy and I, that were the most disruptive were always males. Well, that's, yeah. that continues and to this day. I never yeah. even thought about it could be a female thing as well. It yeah. just mm -hmm. never seemed to be like a female, like ADHD kind of a situation. So that was very surprising. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, aside one, from one might think our mother might have it. We yeah. just don't know. Well, and <laughs> I, was yeah. my, I was just gonna say, my mom is very obvious. And having, <laughs> a, and, and having a sister who is always diagnosing people at usually holidays, <laughs> it opens up your mind to have that conversation. Now I look at my mom and I'm like, oh wait, she's kind of doing the same things that I'm doing. Yep. Like that's like we'll be having a conversation and the next minute she's on the ground like picking things up and putting things up. And I'm like, now wait a minute, that's what I do too. And it's funny having a salon company and having employees they call me out all the time where I will be in mid-conversation mm. with them and then I just boop and walk out <laughs> yeah. the door and they're like, I was talking to you and yeah. I'm like, I just totally yeah. turned yep. you right Something off. Something else yeah. caught my attention. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my and mom is the same way, oh. also a cosmetologist. So maybe it's in, <laughs> maybe maybe it's in the water. Yeah. Industry. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's so funny. And that's funny um, that you should say that too because I think a lot of my employees have some kind of ADD or ADHD um, I see that all the time with cosmetologists where it, it, it seems to be a pattern and yeah. something something Could there. Be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think too, to your, I know, I think Andy, you made the point too about like the disruptive, point. a yeah. great point yeah. um, about sort of the disruptive kids. And I think part of that is when you are just taught to read a book and learn from a book, you then lose self-esteem. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then they, you become more distractible and you then think it's funny when you can get kids other kids going I see this in middle school all the time mm -hmm. where it's like and then it's this huge thing where the teachers are like we can't teach them because right. they're well, too because disruptive it's and it's like well yeah right you know? and and what they're good at is making other kids laugh and at the most inappropriate times. and then they're the class cloud in the yearbook yeah there was a student the other day who like completely by accident he was getting a bag of chips out of like a file cabinet and when he went to he didn't pull the bag of chips out fast enough and closed the file cabinet and it like popped to the chips oh. and i literally lost my mind and the teacher was not happy with me but i was like i can't you just gotta go with it sometimes. and he was like cracking up and he was the student i was observing 
and I was like trying to help support. They were thinking that he had an ADHD diagnosis, but he's one of those kids, low self-esteem, yeah. mm. tries to get other kids going throughout class. So one, he doesn't have to do his own work mm -hmm. and think about his own work. And two, it makes him feel good that other kids are laughing with yeah. him or at him. You're good at that. Mm. Yeah. So I'll keep doing Something it. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any last thoughts before we do our final question? I thought it was funny or interesting that you said low self-esteem mm -hmm. because I think that kind of what it trickles down to of is course. like the low self-esteem. So I think, I don't know if Andy felt this way, but I think growing up, it was like, you're never good enough. Mm -hmm. You're not focusing enough. Like you're always getting yelled at. You're always saying, oh my God, you're, you're too much. You're too much. So I think it does boil down to a self-esteem mm -hmm. situation. So it's like, we need to change that dialogue. Right. We need to change how we deal with that. So. I think that Nate and I were both good students in our own way. Like if they, I think, you know, and it's tough being a teacher with, again, 20 kids. If if things were curbed a little bit your way, it may have been a different outcome. Like, oh, I can't physically focus on this paragraph, but if you read it to me or if you gave me the highlights, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I yeah. will read it. It was just, there was never a different approach. It was either this is the way, and if you don't do it this way, and it's like, I can't do it that way. Well, it was also perceived as being lazy. Lazy, yeah. Yes. Like, you're lazy. Well, you're Danielle lazy, and I talk a lot about how the hook, how do you hook kids in to want to be learning? Especially now, I think we talk a lot about post-COVID and there's also so much that's taking kids' attention away. The TikTok generation, as I call it, right. where you can just keep moving through something very fast. How do you hook kids in? I think hooking kids in with their interests, the way they learn, making learning something interesting, like you were saying, Andy, if I knew what that was about and I could I could latch onto it in a different way, I might have been able to explore that and understand that better and then maybe build off of that somehow. Well, and show me just a video or, you know, let's watch a quick movie. Huh. Anything. Who didn't love those days when they used to roll oh. in the ground yeah. during the oh, ACL? Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, today is my day. How about when they did the reel to reel when I was in like first grade? But that's something that's happening a lot, I think, more now is the video learning and... So technology. you can make a case that it's a little too much, but uh, yeah. That's <laughs> but true. anyway, that's another day. Yeah. Um, so well, we did talk about tech. We at did. One point. We did. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I have a final question for everyone. It's a would you rather? Yes. Okay. So, would you rather always have bo and not know it, <laughs> or always smell bo on everyone else? God. <laughs> Who would like to go first? I, I would rather always smell bo on everyone else and know that it's it coming for me. <laughs> It's horrible. I'd rather have me always smell like it because I don't okay. want to smell me. Yeah, I, that's how I feel. I'm like having a hard time because I don't want people yeah, to but judge then I have me to by smell smoke. you. Yeah, that's I don't want people to judge me. By <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm as someone who like can't handle smells. I'd yeah. be like oh, yeah, all, all day, day, all day. I could, like, could not be able to handle it. What about you? I, I think oh, this is so tough. I think smelling it on other people because I can't stand the thought of smelling bad. Oh. I, <laughs> but I understand. Well, it's a 50-50 split yeah, here yeah. <laughs> today. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, thank you both for joining us. Well, thank you for having us. Give a follow to at Honeycomb Hideout VT. And at Salon Nathaniel, Meredith and Wallingford. And at Unstuck Podcast One. And we actually have more than one platform. We're on Facebook, Instagram. Oh. Uh, TikTok, quote unquote. We have one video on there. <laughs> I feel like maybe we should take a little screenshot today we of could, this view. Absolutely. And uh, on LinkedIn as well. So find us on one of those platforms at Unstuck Podcast One.